If you were listening to the announcements this morning, Barbara mentioned that we are going to have a week of prayer, August 15th to the 21st, and you all have been so kind as to have written questions that you have had throughout your lives uh, about prayer, and I'll be going through those this morning. Then we'll have two other messages on prayer, getting us ready for that week of prayer. Now, the reason why we're having a week of prayer is frankly because we're all so excited about how God has finally brought us to the place where we're about to really get back to normal after 18 months of upheaval. Now, I'm so proud of our staff, and I'm so grateful to God that even through the pandemic, we were able to maintain a fairly vibrant ministry. But there were all kinds of things that we were just not able to do. And this fall, we are planning by God's grace to open everything, and we're chomping at the bit And we're so excited to engage you and equip you and mobilize you. But in that excitement, it would be so easy to be self-reliant. See, oftentimes we think about prayer in terms of when we feel desperate. And, And of course, we certainly do turn to prayer when we're desperate. When we hear the word cancer when we wrestle in our marriages or with our children, when we are panicked at times over our singleness or our finances, well, it tends to be a little bit easier to pray in those times. But when we're approaching a phase of excitement where we can barely contain our energy and enthusiasm to move forward. It's so easy to move forward in self-sufficiency. And so we want to make sure as things really open up this fall that we have bathed it in prayer. And so we're going to answer some questions this morning that you've submitted concerning prayer. Before we do that, however, I want to ground our time together as we try to ground everything at Oak Mountain in the truth of the Scriptures. So let's all stand together at our reverence for God's Word, and I'm going to read Luke 11 verses 1 to 13, because so many of the questions that we have on prayer, concerning prayer, they're actually answered in this brief passage. It's pretty incredible. So hear now the Word of God. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John, John the Baptist, taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Now, of course, there's a longer uh, version of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, which doesn't mean the Bible has mistakes. It means Jesus taught on the Lord's Prayer numerous times. Matthew recorded one, 
Luke recorded another. It's, it's, it's no big deal. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of impudence, his, his boldness, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? And again, in Matthew, Jesus says, give what is good to those who ask him. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because he loves us. He wants to develop intimacy with us. And intimacy develops through conversation, just like it does between us as people. And he longs for us to learn how to pray. Let's pray. God, we do ask you to send out your spirit the spirit of intercession, the spirit who groans through us with groans too deep for words. And Jesus, you still pray. You live at the Father's right hand to intercede for us according to his will. And so, Holy Spirit, come and teach us how to pray. We ask this in Jesus' name for his sake and the glory of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit and the coming of the kingdom. In your name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. <clears throat> so the first question that, that uh, came in in droves, you can imagine. Why pray if God's in control? Great question. If God's sovereign, if God has ordained everything that comes to pass before the even the creation of the world, which, by the way, is biblical and true, then why pray? Well, let me answer that question with a question. I just read the text. Jesus was praying in a certain place. Okay. Look, if you think it's a question why we should pray when God's sovereign, why should Jesus pray when he's God? Huh? See, Jesus was fully God, truly divine, second person of the Trinity, eternal. But he was also fully human. And Jesus lived his life in a fully human way to show us 
what our redeemed humanity could look like. So Jesus lived his life absolutely dependent on God the Father and his wisdom and guidance and God the Spirit and his power working through Jesus into the lives of others. Jesus didn't do a thing apart from dependence upon the Father's will and the Spirit's power. So Jesus prayed even though he was God. Jesus was the sovereign God, and yet he still prayed. How do you deal with that? And the word I want to bring to you this morning is mystery. Look, we can't figure everything out. Look, how, how can God be one God and yet be three distinct persons and not be three gods? Can you answer that? I can't. So why would we be surprised that God is sovereign, yet we're still called to pray? And not only that, not only are we called to pray, but our prayers make a difference. Whether we pray or don't pray matters. Don't put prayer in a different category of anything else. Has God promised to provide for y'all? I want to see heads nodding. He has. Why do you go to work? Ha ha, gotcha. Really, if God's promised to provide, why do you go to work? Why go to college? Why get out of bed? If God's got everything figured out and God's gone, got everything ordained, why do anything? If you want salt on your steak, why ask for it to be passed to you? Wouldn't God just salt your steak? If he's ordained, you'd have salt on your steak. No, it's ridiculous. We live life. Our actions matter. Our inaction matters. So therefore, Prayer is no different. Prayer matters. Prayer impacts life. Prayer impacts people. Prayer impacts you. Now, I won't say what other people say, that prayer doesn't change the world. It only changes you. I just think that's ridiculous. Our prayers impact people. And when we pray for somebody, it matters. And when we fail to pray for somebody, it matters. Again, why would you make prayer any different? Here's another area. Evangelism and reaching the nations. If God's sovereign and he has his elect, why do we even do missions? There's actually some people who, who really do ask that question. God will reach the heathen if he wants to. Well... It's interesting, when you 
actually fund missions and send people over to the nations, people come to Christ. And if you don't send people to the nations and they don't share their faith, people don't come to Christ. God is sovereign and we are responsible. God is sovereign and our actions matter. Divine sovereignty, human responsibility, prayer is no different than any other area of life. If God's ordained that you don't get wet during a rainstorm, why bring an umbrella? You see, don't make a distinction between prayer and anything else you do. If you want to go to the store, you get in a car and you go and get what you need. You don't think, oh God, please somehow get me that orange juice. Okay? It's the same thing with prayer. Prayer matters. Prayer makes a difference. Now, I don't believe prayer changes God's mind. Because again, I do believe God is sovereign. And yet, somehow in the mystery of providence, He has ordained the means to an end as well as the ends. And so, if God has ordained something to occur, He also has ordained His people to pray to bring about what He's ordained. Now, I know your brain can explode through this, but don't overthink it. I think sometimes that's what we do. We overthink it. We're talking about the infinite God and His mysterious ways. And so when it comes down to why pray when God is sovereign, you know what the simplest answer is? Because He told us to do it. Why pray when He's sovereign? Because God says pray. But not only that, Jesus, who was the sovereign God, who was also fully human, he prayed. Prayer is a barometer of our belief that we're dependent on God. Prayer is actually a barometer of whether we believe the gospel. One of the primary tenets of the gospel is that we are helpless. That's why we need grace. Well, if we truly believe we're helpless, it will manifest itself in prayerfulness. So there's a mystery when it comes to prayer. But what I want to tell you is prayer matters. And God loves to answer prayer. That's what this passage just said. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now, it then goes on to say, if you being evil know how to give the whole, know how to give what is good to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit or Matthew what is good to those who ask? Here's the critical issue when it comes to prayer and feeling at times like uh, we're about to get cynical or prayer doesn't work or Uh, God's mad at us. That was another question. When things don't get answered, how are we supposed to react without getting cynical? Well, first of all, Jesus is our model again. Jesus in the garden. Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but your will. 
be done. One of the things that happens in prayer is as we pour out our hearts to God in prayer, there is also a change that does occur in us. And the more we pray, though we may be even more fervent in our request, there's also a work of the Spirit that makes us more surrendered. Where we might be absolutely convinced we're praying according to God's will. And yet, it seems like we're getting the very opposite of what we asked for. And that's where we need to surrender and submit to the providence of God's will. And that's where we need to battle the lies of Satan and of our flesh that God doesn't hear prayer or that he doesn't love me. Because Jesus says you are to believe when you get the very opposite of what you pray for, you have still gotten a fish, not a snake. When you get the very opposite of what you've prayed for, God has still given you a loaf and not a stone. He's still given you an egg and not a scorpion. And the problem is that's where our unbelief creeps in. When we pray... Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door is opened. And so when you pray and you get the opposite of what you prayed, God heard your prayer and he gave you what was good. Our problem is we need to repent of our unbelief that God isn't for us and that he hasn't answered our prayers according to our best. You see where I'm going there? So we pray fervently and we keep praying and we keep praying. And then when it seems, if it seems, that we've gotten the opposite of what we prayed for, we, we thank God for the, for the fish and the loaf. And the egg. And we surrender. Like Jesus did. Yet not my will. But yours be done. See we, we don't know the sovereign will of God. We pray our hearts. We pray our passions. We pray our burdens. But we do ultimately submit to God. Another one of the, the questions has to do with posture. Uh, is it rude to open your eyes while you pray? Uh, does it matter if you get on your knees or fall prostrate? I always struggle with this. I did it, I did it in the first service too. Yeah, prostate, yeah, that, you don't want that. Prostrate, prostrate. Hey, give me a break, all right? wrestling with my words here this morning. So you fall prostrate before God, laid out flat. Does posture matter? Well, see, this is actually a really good theological question that has huge uh, daily ramifications, and that is this. When God created us, he created us body and soul, or body 
and spirit. And we will in eternity, whether we know Jesus or not, be body and soul forever. In eternity, those who know Christ will be body and soul in peace and shalom in Zion, the new Jerusalem, forever. Where there will be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. And in hell, people who don't believe in Christ will be body and soul forever tormented with the pains of hell forever. We are eternal beings who will forever be body and soul, except for one time, and that's called the intermediate state. When we die and before Christ returns, our soul will be separated from our body for that time between our death and Christ's return. At Christ's return, our bodies which have decayed in graves or been cremated or whatever will be then reunited to our souls and then we will be who know Christ, body and soul forever with the Lord. What an awesome thought. Now, so what? What's that got to do with prayer? It means that the body and soul are connected. And what the body does impacts the soul. So that's why you have in Scripture people kneeling. Because kneeling of the body affects the humility of the soul. That's why we have people raising hands in the Psalms. Because the posture of the body impacts the soul. That's why we stand during the reading of Scripture. You may think, what a silly tradition Oak Mountain has. Fine, you may think it's silly. I don't care. But it's not. It is profound. Because we are body and soul together, the posture of our bodies impacts our souls. So how we pray does have an effect. The position of your body does have an effect. Now, you don't need to get legalistic about this. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not that God's going to hear you more or hear you better when you kneel. It's not that God's going to love you more if you raise your hands. If you fall down prostrate, it's not like God is going to, you know, especially answer your prayer. What I'm saying is it will affect your praying, and your praying matters. Fasting. Why do we fast? It affects our prayers, and our prayers affect the world. Our, our prayers affect lives. Our prayers affect nations. Our prayers affect our community. Our prayers affect America. Our prayers affect the world. Our prayers matter. And body position can impact our praying. Another question has to do with someone who's just learning how to pray. 
How do I learn how to pray? Uh, the, 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 there were several questions of how do I learn to pray for an hour without being distracted? I'm not being a wisecracker here. First of all, you don't do that. You don't go from zero to 100 in 24 hours. You don't pray for an hour tomorrow starting. Pray for 30 seconds tomorrow. I'm not joking. Pray for 30 seconds and recognize God is thrilled. If you have a little toddler who's just learning how to talk and they run to you and they say, hi, daddy, and then they go play with a toy, are are you ticked? Are you frustrated? Or are you saying, wow, my child spoke to me. How cool is that? And that's what God's doing. Just pray 30 seconds. And then when you can pray 30 seconds without being distracted, pray for a minute. And then if you can pray for a minute, pray for two minutes. The other thing that's very practical, keep a notepad right with you when you pray. And whenever squirrel occurs, which, you know, there's medicine for people like me now. But there didn't used to be. And, and so I've got to keep a pad next to me. So I write things down, I go back to prayer. Do you think God is mad about that? Of course not. Now, how do you learn to pray besides praying 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, keeping a notepad? Well, you also learn to pray by going to Scripture and praying through Scripture. That's how you learn to pray. You know, you could use the Psalms, just like some people use the Psalms for a devotional. There's 30 days typically in a month, and there's 150 Psalms, so there's five Psalms per day. Today's August 1st. Read Psalm 1, read Psalm 31, read Psalm 61, read Psalm 91, read Psalm whatever it is. 121, is it? Uh, but, but just read the Psalm and pray. And if, if it's too much, just start with Psalm 1. And read it, and then pray it back to God as it relates to your life. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but in the law of the Lord, and whom he delights. God, I don't delight in your word the way I should, or even the way I want to. God, would you give me a passion for your word? That's a real easy way to learn how to pray. Now, you know the the second best way to learn how to pray? Get with a group of people who know how to pray. Many of you know that for the past 33 years, uh, we have had prayer groups at Oak Mountain at 6 a.m. on Wednesdays and 7 a.m. on Saturdays. And sometimes people come and they're just silent for weeks but they're learning how to pray as they hear us pray. And then suddenly they open their mouths because they've seen the model of how to pray. One of my great desires coming out of August 15th to 21st is there would be a proliferation of prayer groups at Oak Mountain. 
stay-at-home moms who find a time where they can meet and they pray together. Working moms who give up a lunch and find a place where they can pray together. Business people, men and women, coming together in the early morning like we have a couple groups. And you learn to pray together. You know what else it does? It actually leads you to pray. Again, I am so distracted. My personal, private, quiet prayer life is a mess. I mean, inside this head, folks, you do not want to get inside this head. I'm telling you, it is like mush. Just, I mean, well, not maybe not mush. There's there, there's three thousand thoughts going through my head all the time. Like even as I preach, there's like three thousand thoughts going through my mind. But when I'm in a prayer group, I am so focused because I'm 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 praying verbally, which is very focusing. But I'm also listening to others and agreeing in prayer. I tell you, a small group prayer to me is my favorite time of the week. I'm I'm not making that up. It's my favorite time of the week. Get involved in a prayer group. This answers another question uh, that parents have. How do we teach our children how to pray? How do we engage their hearts in prayer? You model. That's what Jesus was doing in the passage. They are watching Jesus pray, and they say, Oh, Jesus, teach us how to pray like that. Well, he he did give them a paradigm, the Lord's Prayer, which once again reveals the way we learn to pray is by praying Scripture. See, we're, we're actually not just supposed to pray the Lord's Prayer as a prayer. We're supposed to pray line by line of the Lord's Prayer, applying it to our hearts and our daily lives. Our Father who art in heaven. Oh, God, thank you that you're my Abba. Thank you that you speak words of love and graciousness and affirmation and kindness over me. Thank you that I'm not an orphan. I'm not on my own. It's not all up to me. But I have a Father in heaven who loves me and who longs to hear my voice. Okay? That's just just our Father. (laughs) That was what, 45 seconds? That's just two words in the Lord's Prayer. And, And see, when you pray like that, don't worry about getting through the whole Lord's Prayer. You know what I'm saying? Will y'all give yourselves a break? Will you just give yourselves a break when it comes to prayer? I know it's hard. Sometimes I feel like it's not even going beyond the ceiling. Sometimes it doesn't even feel real. Sometimes I feel like I'm talking to myself. Yeah. People 
You're normal. You're normal. That is prayer. It's a battle. It's a wrestling match. And it's up and down. Sometimes you'll feel incredibly intimate with God. And sometimes you'll feel nothing. And that's okay. Because it's just the way prayer goes. Let me see if I have time for any other questions here. Um, you know, I think I've... I think I've answered the questions that you all, oh, no, one big one, big one, big one, listening prayer. Oh, I don't have enough time. That is where you simply uh, get silent and quiet and you, you listen for what God may be saying to you. Say a couple things. First of all, only for the very, very mature in Christ. And what I mean by that is you've got to know the word frontwards and backwards because you don't know whether what you're hearing is the pizza you had last night or the sausage you had this morning. How do you know your thoughts are God's thoughts? And so when you practice listening prayer, I would write down what you sense you are hearing. And then I would take those thoughts to a very mature Christian who knows the word backwards and forwards and knows you. And then you share what you sense you've heard with that person, and then you two pray about it and talk about it together. I, I do believe there is a place for listening prayer, but I believe it's something for the very mature. And as you want to wade your way into it, you need to realize you need to learn the Word of God. You need to be immersed in the Word of God. And then, of course, with wise counsel. Uh, the thing related to that is... Uh, should I seek, uh, for instance, a private prayer language? And I'm one of the weirdos in the PCA. I do believe that God gives certain people a private prayer language. That puts me way in the minority among PCA pastors. I don't believe it's revelation. I believe Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 that his mind is not even fruitful. He has no idea what he's saying. But his spirit is praying. Well, first of all, the very thing you need to hear right here is only God does that as he wants to do it. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. You can't seek it. You can't get it by going through certain gyrations. No one can give it to you. God either gives it to you or he doesn't. In my searching as a young Christian, I prayed over and over and over, God, give me a private prayer language. Guess what? He never has. And I'm good with that. I don't even pray it anymore. God, if you want to give it to me, give it to me. But you don't, you're not missing out. You're not a second-class citizen. And this creates huge tensions with charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches, and quote-unquote non-Pentecostal churches or charismatic churches. You are not missing a thing. 
And if God wants to give you something, He gives it to you. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, write it down. It clearly says the Spirit determines who gets what gifts. Well, look, we could go on forever about questions concerning prayer. But my desire is that at least our appetite for prayer would be increasing. That we would feel a new freedom. We would feel a new encouragement. A new invitation to spend time with God in prayer. Recognizing that as you falter, the Father is not displeased. But instead, He is rejoicing over the fact that you have even attempted to come into his presence to talk to him. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you tell us about prayer and scripture. And God, we do ask that indeed we would be a church who prays. We pray for these sermons coming up on prayer. We pray that um, we would Use August 15th to the 21st to the utmost of our capacity. Lord, that you would proliferate uh, prayer groups, that they would go on for years. God, we had no idea that when you started prayer groups 33 years ago, we'd still be meeting. We pray that would happen more and more and more. And of course, Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know Christ, may their first prayer be, Oh God, I'm a helpless sinner. I can't save myself. I can't change myself. All I can do is cast myself helplessly upon the finished work of Christ and the promises of grace. And God, if they do that just now, May they come to one of us and tell us that they've done that. And might we help them grow in the faith. God, for the rest of us, Lord, enable us to receive the grace and the love and the mercy that you have for us, especially in this area of prayer where it's so easy to lose heart. God, we love you. We want to talk with you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand and hear the benediction the promise of God's grace upon our lives uh, as we leave. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Abba Father and the fellowship and transforming power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.